on, let's welcome the Chapel Scott's edition. And let's give a huge welcome, men and women in Chesterfield County Jail. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Well, we're in a five-part series called Forward in the book of Joshua. And I'll tell you a little bit about that in just a second. But we love... Come on. Yeah. We love... uh, That's how much power there is in the message today. It's going out. So... Uh, we love to welcome everybody in Scott's edition, what God's doing in the heart of our city. And then, of course, what a joy it is to be a part of Chesterfield County Jail. We say it all the time. You are not a project to us. We've had, we have leadership training going on, Bible studies, small groups, all that happening in the jail, outside the jail. And so our partnership with you. In fact, I just heard they launched a men's alliance in the jail. So how cool is that? So, um, yeah, so... Love you all, uh, men and women there in the jail. We love you. Excited about what God's doing. Of course, everybody online. Like you heard, so much happening in the life of our church. But thank you so much for all of your faithfulness. You're an amazing church. We love you. We're thankful every day. There is no church like the chapel. I'm telling you that. There's nobody like you. And it's really, it's not people. It's not buildings. It's people. I almost said it's not people. That's wrong. <laughs> it's not buildings. It's people. So we need to get that right. Uh, but glad you're here today. I remember um, I was 11 years old when my grandfather convinced me to take up golf. And uh, for a few years, he wanted to spend more time with me. And so he said, you need to learn to golf. And I said, okay. And so from age 11 to 13, I would go golfing with my grandpa. And he would take his driver out and he would just nice and easy swing his driver. I mean, didn't no, 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 no club head speed, no, no, no hit. It just boom, and it would go straight and far. And I remember as a kid thinking, I can out-hit my grandpa. And so I would go up there, and I would squeeze the club strong, and I would think, you can do this, Brandon. You can out-hit your grandpa. And I would swing as hard as I could, and it would go all kinds of places, but never as far as my grandpa. And so I'd go up again. I think, I just need to swing harder, and I need to go at this more. And finally, one day, I'm swinging hard. I hit it, and I said to my grandpa, is that a good spot to be? And he said, if you, gotta, if you wanna go to the bathroom, that's a great spot to hit the ball, you know? And, uh, but I remember just thinking, uh, finally, my grandpa said to me, you need to understand something, Brandon. It's not how, how hard you're swinging. You're, you're not letting the club do the work. You're trying to do the work yourself. And he said, you see how I'm singing, swinging uh, nice and easy and fluid? And I said, yeah, it drives me crazy, Pap. And, uh, and he said, well, I just need you. And you know what I realized? You can either try to do the work yourself or you could let the club do the work, right? Man, I was thinking that so many of us in our Christian faith Think if we just grip the club a little harder and swing a little faster and and focus a little more and try a little harder, that that's the key. But what if the key isn't in trying, but in trusting? What if the key isn't in, in bearing down and trying to get more intense about it, but in trusting the Lord? And so I want to talk to us today about something that's kind of countercultural and it's, and it's kind of different, and it is really trusting the Lord and learning to let his power work at, be at work within us. And as we dive in, I want to also just say uh, good morning to everybody. We got water baptisms today in all the services, and so I forgot to say that. Um, I'll towards the end of the message give a little time for you. I'll say, hey, you can be dismissed uh, just so you know. I know sometimes you're like, when do I leave? But we're going to end our gathering at both campuses in in a water baptism and a song. So it'd be a great day. But I want to talk to us about trusting. What does it look like to trust in the middle of this season? We, we showed you this last week, but it, it, we're at 
Joshua chapter 6, and the nation of Israel has arrived on the city of Jericho, which is, uh, is known for its storied walls. And it probably had a couple of sets of walls, maybe one 15 feet or so high, followed by an, uh, an incline uphill to a second set of walls, and probably a total of 46, 50 feet high. Some scholars actually think an archaeologist even higher, up to 70 feet, and And so they were known for these walls, a series of walls. If you got over the first one, then you walked uphill where where the archers uh, inside Jericho would just have a clean shot at you. And so it's kind of like a death zone there. And so this, this nation of Jericho, it was a garrison city of the seven nations that, that were living in Canaan. They put this one just east of the Jordan so that when you came up against it, you try to attack and it would actually give the enemies or the armies time, the seven other armies to gather and to pick you off. And so Israel has been promised something from God, but they're standing up against a challenge. They're standing up against their first promise, and it looks like a problem. Have you ever found that a promise can look like a problem? And and you think to yourself, oh my word, this promise. I remember taking my first baby home, uh, Hallie, uh, from the hospital and thinking, this is wonderful. And I had a moment when when we brought her home when I said to Katie, we're going to have her all the time. Like all the time, like this is never, when does this end? You know what I mean? And like it went from a blessing, come on somebody, to a burden. And I didn't even do that much. And uh, I think that's true in our lives. We, we, God does good things, but there's some, some obstacles to it, some difficulties, some challenges. And the Bible describes the, set, the setting when it says the gates of Jericho were securely barred. And no one went out and no one came in. So they're staring at this fortified city and uncertain of how to deal with it, uncertain of how to handle it. And the Bible says, the Lord says to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. See, I have what? I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Now this phrase, have delivered, is in the past tense. Let me ask you something. Have they already defeated Jericho? No, but God is messed up with his timing of his language, right? Because God tells them, I have already delivered Jericho into your, here's what I think God is saying to them. My promise to you is so secure that even though it hasn't happened yet, I'm going to speak of it as though it has happened. I have delivered, imagine the people going, you haven't, you haven't, we're looking at it. We're looking at the walls, we're looking at the battle, we're looking at the obstacles. And God says to them, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. And what a reminder to us that God is true to his promises. Anybody thankful for that? He's true to his promises. And, And as we live out this thing called life, he says, I have delivered it. And so let's talk today about what do we do to to live out our faith? How do we trust God in the middle of our problems or difficulties or challenges? Here's the first one. Wow, is this true? Trust is learning to manage the tension between what I see and what God says, right? Have you ever had God say something to you, but what you saw wasn't what he said to you? (laughs) I'm going to do this in your life. And you say, no, I got bills and problems and challenges and obstacles. But I hear you saying this, God, but when I look with my eyes, it doesn't look like it. God tells the people of Israel, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. But what their eyes are telling them is a series of walls that declare to them he has not yet delivered Jericho. And here's what faith is. Faith is learning to manage that tension of the gap between what God's promised and what I see. 
And how do I live in that gap between what he's promised and what, what I see? I told you my um, Sunday morning ritual is always to go to Starbucks. So I did early this morning. I drove to the Starbucks drive through and the guy who handed me my coffee said, oh, it's a ble- oh, what a blessed day. And I'd never heard Starbucks talk to me like that. And I said, blessed day. It's, and so I, I, want, I want to fish a little bit what he meant by blessed day. So I said, you mean because we get an extra hour of sleep? And he said, no. I said, oh, you must go to the chapel. <laughs> and he said, no. And he said, but that, and he pointed, and just to my right was literally two rainbows, okay? He says, a blessed day. And I said, it's a blessed day. And you know what happened this morning? There was a barista in Starbucks who saw the promises of God and a pastor who drove around town and didn't. I said to him, you should come preach today because I am off my game. I want to remind you today, sometimes God's at work, but we don't see it. And we need to be reminded that our eyes are blind to the faithfulness of God, right? And God's speaking to the people and he's saying, I've already delivered the land into your hands. And I know, I, I know you don't see it with your eyes, but sometimes you have to, you have to live in your heart and, and hold on to the tension between what God says and what, what we see between God's promises and his provision between what he says he's going to do and when he delivers on it because God is faithful and he speaks of his promises as so certain that he speaks of them in the past tense. And I'm here to remind you and me today, Scott's edition, Midlothian, in the prison, I'm here to remind us, God is always faithful to his promises, right? And even when they don't see it or can't understand it, are facing their eyeballs, looking at some walls, God's going to give them a promise that he's going to deliver them. And he gives them the battle plan, and it's not a really good one, okay? Where are the planners in the room? Come on, planners, raise your hand. You've got a, you're, you're already got everything booked out for next year, you know? You know when you're going to, on vacation in 2026 and Make me sick. And here's what God says. God gives the planners the plan, but the planners aren't going to like the plan because the plan isn't really that good of a military plan, to be honest. Let me show it to you. (laughs) So here's how you're going to beat this fortified city. You're going to march around the city once with all the armed men. You're going to do that for six days. You're going to march around the city once for six straight days. One day, two day, three, okay. Then on the seventh day, you're going to have the priests carry the trumpets. That doesn't sound like an effective military plan. And they're going to have horns. And on the seventh day, they're going to march around the city seven times. Okay, tell us what's going to happen with the priests. Well, they don't seem tough. And they're going to blow the trumpets, really. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud, come on, a loud what? Shout. And then the city will collapse and the army will go up. And this is the plan. This is a terrible plan. This is not military. So hold hold on. Okay, so let me make sure I get this straight. We're going to get all the warriors. Yeah, get all the warriors. All right. And then we're just going to walk around the the walls like mall walkers. You ever seen a mall walker? They go all up to the stores and in the indentations. You know what I'm talking about? We're, that's what we're going to do for six days. We're just going to walk around the walls, and then, and that's not going to feel very good. Imagine you're one of the warriors there. You're walking around at the third day, and you're like, I don't feel like this is helping. In fact, it's just giving the enemy a better view of us. You see all those people with arrows? Yeah. We're in trouble. Oh, don't worry. The seventh day, the trumpets are coming. There's some people, they play the clarinet. We're going to get them, marching band. 
that makes me feel worse. How many don't go? How many know you don't go into battle with 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 a clarinet? And, and I'm, I'm holding. I'm showing so much self restraint right now talking about clarinets. Uh, and literally, here's what he's saying: that God God has given them a plan that is not like any any plan they would ever ever have. Maybe just write this down this weekend. Trust means that understanding that God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are not our ways. Have you ever had God do something that didn't make sense to you? And you would have done it different. Thank God you're not God, right? Tim Keller, who's a great pastor, tells a story of dating a woman that he was sure was God's plan for him to marry her. And and she dumped him and he just thought, this is wrong. This is not God's plan. So he didn't date another girl because he thought, I'm sure that was the woman God wanted me to marry. And then she got engaged and he thought, it won't happen. And then, and then she got married and he realized his theology had a problem, you know. So that was supposed to be his wife, you know. And, and all of a sudden, he, he literally said, I can't believe it. I thought God had me marrying her. And he said, then he met his wife later. They got married years later. He said, now I look back on her and I'm so, th- I saw, he saw what was going on in her life. And he was so thankful that God didn't have him marry her. Have you ever had, some, had, a, had a, somebody you dated in high school and you found him on Facebook today? <laughs> or in the newspaper and you're thankful that God knew better than you knew? Come on, somebody. Like God knew better than you knew, right? And, and sometimes we think, God, but your way is not my way. Why would you work in this way? And here's the truth. If God is big enough to be God, then he's big enough to have ways that are beyond our ways. Meaning if he is God, then he's smarter than us. And we, and we can trust him even when we can't understand him. We can trust his heart when we can't trace his hand. We can believe in his providence when we can't understand his purposes. We, can, we, we may not be able to comprehend him, but we can trust him. And guess what? If he's big enough to be God and big enough to be angry at, then he's big enough to work in ways that we will never understand. In fact, it's, it's kind of like a, 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 um, a, like you ever seen sewing where on the bottom it looks like a mess, but on the top it's a quilt, it's a tapestry. Sometimes we only see things from our human perspective and can't understand what God's doing, but God's doing something beyond what we can do, right? And, and it's amazing, and it's incredible, and, and, and here's what God is saying. In fact, God tells the people as they're walking around the, the walls, Joshua says, don't give a war cry, don't raise your voices. The six days... I want you not even to say a word until the day I tell you to shout. This is a verse I've been thinking about for a couple weeks. Why doesn't Joshua even let the people talk? You want to know why? Because imagine how much they'd be complaining the first six days. This doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It's a stupid idea. It's very stupid. What's not going to happen? Did that feel like it worked? It didn't feel like it worked to me. It didn't feel. How many know? Sometimes when you can't muster up faith, you'd be better to be quiet. This is a good sermon, isn't it? In fact, the Bible says to be quick to listen, slow to what? Slow to speak. Proverbs says where words are many, sin is not absent. Right. In fact, James says we sin the most with our mouth. I wonder if there are any big mouths in the room. Anybody sitting next to? one so sometimes in moments of doubt God says it's better rather than vocalize your doubt to just be quiet how many know it takes no particular talent to complain 
and to doubt and to be frustrated. And God tells the people in this season, as you're walking around the walls and you don't know what's gonna happen, there are seasons where you just need to be silent. How many know there are seasons you just need to be silent? How many know there are seasons you just... Turn to the person next to you and tell them there are seasons to be quiet. Come on, you've always wanted to, you're welcome. Great. Some of you didn't. You're like, no, God tells the people in a moment when they don't understand his ways, he's still at work. When they don't understand his ways, Isaiah says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so far as his is God's ways than our ways. How many know God is big, God is smart, and God can be trusted, right? So let me show you what happens on the seventh day. So they march six days and they're looking at the walls and they're uncertain. And then it's the seventh day and they march around it seven times. And when the trumpets sounded, the army, come on, say it with me. The army, what? Shouted and the sound of the trumpet. And when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. This word shout occurs nine times in Joshua chapter six. In fact, let me give you this Bible study tip that repeated words in a chapter or book are a sign oftentimes of the authorial intent of the theme of that passage. So Joshua is trying, he just keeps saying the word shout or shouted nine times in chapter six, almost gets annoying. He says, so they're gonna shout. On the seventh day they shouted, they're gonna shout. Then they shouted. Don't, don't talk until you shout, but on the seventh day you're gonna shout you shouted, then they'll shout when you shouted. I think I said it nine times. But it's his way of reminding them of what's going to happen on the seventh day. Just write this down. Trust is accompanied not only with silence, but by a shout. Now, let me ask you a question. Did they shout when the walls came down? When did they shout? Before the walls came down. How many know it's easy to shout? after the walls come down. After God is faithful, oh, shout. But how many know when you're staring at a wall and it hasn't moved? Faith shouts literally at a mountain. And God tells his people, I don't want you to be people who shout after the wall falls. I want you to be people who shout before the wall falls literally nine times the hebrew word for shout in this chapter is ruah which means to split the ears with sound so this is not wow whoo no this is like you ever seen a, a, a thanksgiving the day after thanksgiving the friday the shoppers who burst in for this is that person anybody ever seen the video of like oprah's favorite things back in the day remember this is that okay This is like a shout for joy or alarm. This is to split the ears with a sound. This is a people who have shouted and they're shouting at walls that haven't moved. Why? Because God has made a promise to them. And even though their eyes are not telling them something, their faith is activated in their hearts and they're learning to praise God in the middle of a bad situation, right? In fact, Isaiah gives this verse. It's a strange verse about learning to shout in bad times. He says, woman who's barren, sing, O barren woman. You who have never born a child, burst into song. Shout for joy, you who are never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than the woman who has her husband. Here's what Isaiah is saying. Even before you don't have the promise delivered, learning to be people who shout for joy in those moments. How many know that's where faith is? And I wanted to let you know that this is a verse that I'm, these are verses that I'm living through right now in my own life. 
I gave you an update a couple months ago, you know, for the last two months, I've dealt with um, kind of vertigo as a pastor, and it's been strange, because sometimes I'm preaching and the room's spinning, it's awesome, and, uh, and so I've been through a series of uh, MRIs, and and just uh, a few days ago, they identified what was thought to be inflammation in my right ear, in my acoustic canal. They've identified an 8 by 5 by 5 millimeter tumor on the inside of my uh, um, acoustic canal, which is the part of your ear that goes out of your ear and is approaching your brain. I will let you know the neurosurgeon said, Katie was there, that is not touching my brain. My brain is pristine. So I've, Katie was there, and I've for years communicated this to her, but to have science say it, really. So you just need to know my brain is pristine. And, uh, but, but for the last two months, um, probably uh, every Sunday between services when people are walking around, I just have this floating sensation and this dizziness and Doctors say this tumor is on what's called my balance nerve, which is causing disequilibrium and dizziness in me. So if I don't say hi to you in the lobby, it's just I see three of you. I don't know which one to, to greet, you know. And, uh, and so we've walked through the process over the last couple of months of saying, Lord, don't let it, let it be that. And, and walk through MRI and MRI and MRI. And, and we still got a little process to walk through. I, I thought about when to tell you because probably this process will walk out over the next couple months. But... I thought about waiting longer to tell you, but I just know one of the things we tried to say as a church is we not only share God's word, but we, we're honest, we're a family. And I just thought, this is what I'm dealing with. And so I wanted to, I've prayed for so many of you, I just wanted to ask you to pray for me in this season. And so um, I'm believing that God, how many believe God can still heal people? And so, <laughs> believing for that. Believe in for that, trust in for that. Had our prayer team pray over me, our staff pray over me, but I want to just ask you, some of you may want to give a, a meal a week or something to just fast and pray and say, maybe two meals a week, I don't know. Uh, uh, fast and pray that trust God to work in this. And If God heals me, I'm believing he can and he will. If he, if he doesn't and he uses medicine, then that means uh, somewhere in the new year, I'll be uh, kind of taking a season, six, six to eight, ten weeks, something like that, where um, Katie will wait on me and... Uh, and I'll be out of the pocket a little bit. I just wanted to let you know this, just in case you're wondering. We have an incredible team. We'll have incredible teaching, ministry, small groups, prayer, uh, building. How many know God will continue to build his church, right? And I believe that. I believe if, um, in fact, I want to ask you to make a promise that if I have to take a knee for six or eight weeks, when I come back, you'll be stronger, better, more committed than ever before. Anybody make that commitment to me? And so, um, but you know, there's been moments, there's been moments where they say there's a tumor in your ear and you have to meet, meet a neurosurgeon. We're going to go, we're going to go through the bed right here. And I say right here, that feels like a, that's my, that's my head. And, uh, like I'd rather not, like there's moments, but, but God gave me this promise that, that I have, um, for the last five years, God's done nothing but set his hand of blessing on the chapel and, and, and set win after win after win. I felt like the Lord said to me, no matter what this next season is. I was to maintain an attitude of joy and rejoicing 
Because we've done that through the good times. I have to do that through a little season that's tough. I'm making my, by God's grace and your prayers, I believe that I'm going to do that. And we're going we're gonna to honor God. And God's going to build his church. And God's going to do great things. And I, I'm just, I'm, pro- I'm promising you, I'm going to shout when I'm staring at a mountain. That's all I'm telling you. And, uh, and I think that's what God's calls us to. He says, shout before the walls fall down. And I know some of you grew up in a traditional church and you don't like shouting. And so... Can I just prove to you it's in the Bible for a second? Okay. Let me just show you a few verses. Come on, Psalm 47, 1. Clap your hands, all you nations. Come on, what? Shout to God with cries of joy. Psalm 66, come on, what? Shout with joy to God, all the earth. I love this one. Sing for joy to God with all your strength. Shout. Shout aloud. Now, the reason this is in here is for some of you that say I'm shouting, it's just on the inside. This verse is for you. This is shout what? Aloud. And, and I know God works through different personalities. Some of you are wild. Some of you, may, man, you just might get really crazy next week in worship and start tapping your foot. And that's good with me. You know what I mean? But, but there's a command throughout scripture. Come on, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us, come on, somebody shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. I hope our church never gets quiet because I think there's something about the diminishment of praise that that sucks back God's faith in the hearts of people. And I want to be a church that gathers on the weekend, gathers in our groups, gathers throughout the day, gathers throughout the week and declares God is faithful. I want it to be heard in Scott's edition and in the surrounding community of people who have a shout on their lips, not only for what God has done, but for a people who look forward and say, I know there might be a, a battle or wall that hasn't fallen yet but i'm gonna shout and believe that my god is at work even when the wall standing i'm gonna ask if those who are uh gonna be baptized can go make their way to uh to the baptismal tank come on let's tell them we're proud of them today Kim. you guys are awesome you guys are awesome you guys are awesome. In fact, there's a, there's a story about a shout in uh, the book of Acts. As Paul and Silas are founding the church in Philippi, they upset the local economy when they cast a demon out of a slave girl and her owners can't make money off of her and they imprison him. And It's midnight and Paul and Silas' future is unknown. I love these verses. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were what? Praying and singing what? Hymns to God. And the other uh, prisoners were what? Listening to. Do you know when we walk through battles, other people are listening and looking at how we do it? Do you know that? When we walk through trouble, our kids are asking, I know what my mom and dad said, but I want to see if this, I want to see if this is really what they believe. Our neighbors, our community, and Paul and Silas are in prison at midnight, uncertain of their future. The Bible says they're still, the the guys that were preaching are still the guys in prison that were praising. Don't you love that? They're singing so loud, all the other prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was such a violent earthquake, the foundation of the prison doors were shaken. One of my great favorite preachers, his name was E.K. Bailey. He's now passed. He was a pastor of Concord Baptist Church and Dallas, Texas. E.K. Bailey, he he would kind of tell stories with the Bible. He tells this story. and I'm going to try to tell it like E.K. Bailey did. Can I do that for two minutes? I'm not going to do good. And it's not really in the Bible. He, he would, 
but it's so good, I have to tell you, okay? If E.K. Bailey were here today, he would say, Chapel, there was a day where Paul and Silas were in prison. And they didn't know if they were going to live to see the next day. And it was midnight and the darkness was so dark, you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. And rats would scurry across the prison prison floors and their, their, be- their backs that were beaten were bloodied and sitting against the wall. Not knowing how long they'd live at midnight when you'd think Paul and Silas would be complaining. E.K. Bailey says, Paul turns to Silas and says, Silas, how you doing? Silas said, Paul, I guess I'm doing okay. And Paul said, I feel a hallelujah coming on. What, Paul? Silas says, I feel a hallelujah coming on. Silas, it's time to sing. Oh, it's not time to sing. No, it's time to sing. Okay, Paul, if you sing, I'll join in. And Paul and Silas would start to sing whatever your favorite worship song is, right? And he says, as Paul and Silas began to sing, their song began to creep out of their prison cell and go down the, down the, the corridor so that the other prisoners could hear. And that song escaped out of the vents, up and out of the prison, and it rose above the city, and it rose to the clouds, and it rose to the stratosphere and the ionosphere. And all the way, their song finally rose all the way up to heaven. And like only E.K. Bailey could say, God, God told the angels, shh, what's that song I hear? And the angel said to God, what do you mean, what's that song I hear? Heaven's full of singing. Angels and elders, preachers, we got nothing but singing here. Bailey says, God said, no, 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 it's a different kind of song I hear. I know the song of the angels and I know the song of the elders. This is the song of some who are singing in the middle of their suffering. This is not in the Bible, but I had to preach it. E.K. Bailey said, so God leans forward on his throne to get a better, to hear a little better. And he hears the song of Paul and Silas. God likes the tune because it's a tune of people singing in the middle of their suffering. And God starts to tap his feet in heaven. (laughs) And E.K. Bailey says, because heaven is God's throne and earth is God's footstool, when God taps his feet in heaven, there's an earthquake in Philippi and all the prison doors fly open and all the prisoners are shaken. Our doors flew open. Everybody's chains come loose and God leads them forward. Oh, that God would raise up a song in our hearts and our homes and our city and our church. And not a song only after the walls fall down. Friends, that doesn't take any faith. But a song that says, I'm standing looking at some walls that I wish kind of weren't there but I'm going to give a shout of praise to a God who promised to see me through on the other side in the middle of a circumstance that I didn't ask for how many know a shout of praise that trusts in the name of the Lord and the walls come down 
and the city is delivered. In fact, in that, in that verse, everybody's chains come loose. You want to know why? Because the worship of two guys literally liberated a whole community. I believe when we choose to praise God, even in moments of pain and difficulty and disappointment, when the walls are still there, that it has a ripple effect to change other people's lives, change our community. And I feel like God just sent me here this weekend to say, let's be a church that never loses our shout, that never loses the vitality of even in the middle of the messy moments of disappointment and struggles where we don't understand, we're in the gap of what he promised and what we see, we're going to be a people that shout to the Lord. Anybody want to do that together? In fact, I wonder if we could take five seconds today, Midlothian and Scott's edition, I wonder if we could take five seconds and just give a shout of praise to God. Could we do that today? Come on, let's lift our voices today. Come on, let's lift our... We honor you, Jesus. We praise your name, oh God. Even when we don't see it, we glorify your name. Oh, come on, we glorify your name, oh God. We worship you. You're faithful and true, steady and strong. Our trust is in you. Our trust is in you. So God, this weekend, with our hearts wide open to you, we confess that we're following you. And God, I pray for every wall, every struggle, every difficulty, God, that's unseen in everybody's life here. I know we're all facing uh, hidden challenges, that you'd be a God who walks with us and you'd give the shout would rumble in our hearts to trust you, for we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to turn the service over to Scott.